So just a reminder, uh, of course, I'm not going to ask if you've had a chance to do your lesson each week, but just a reminder, if you can uh, do the lesson, it's uh, helpful. I know everybody is uh, busy and you got a lot of things going on, so I understand completely. And uh, like I said the very first week, if you can't do the lesson, come anyway. Um, but if you can do the lesson, sometimes it's helpful for discussion purposes. Obviously, we are on lesson four, so you can turn to page 4.1, and we are going to be discussing the significance of baptism, obviously, today. Baptism, uh, obviously, we have the word Baptist in our church. Uh, If you're like me, you probably had um, somebody on, you know, your neighbor or a family member uh, say something to the effect of, What's, now, what's the, what's the difference between blank and blank? Baptists and Lutherans, or Methodists and Baptists, or Catholics, and, and uh, there's a lot of different ways you can answer that question, uh, but one of the categories of disagreement between these sorts of denominations is uh, what the scriptures teach regarding baptism. Um, all, of those, all of those denominations, if you will, think differently about what baptism is about, um, who's supposed to be baptized, uh, what the meaning is behind baptism, um, various questions like that. And there's a lot of disagreement, frankly. So much so that there have been books uh, written debating uh, perspectives on baptism. One of them is uh, called The Waters That Divide. And that's kind of an unfortunate um, reality that baptism bring, has brought, been something that's brought division to churches. Um, so what, and of course, uh, a lot of you probably have a good level of familiarity with baptism, so some of these things that we'll be talking about will be a review for you. Others may not have so much familiarity, and so you may be hearing some things for the first time. Uh, but baptism throughout history, uh, really throughout church history, has been something of a debated point. Uh, there were, uh, there have been groups, um, for instance, in the 16th century, in the 1500s, individuals who were actually put to death for their view of baptism. Um, there was a group of people called the Anabaptists. Uh, some of you may have heard of the Anabaptists. Um, but the Reformation happens, the Protestant Reformation happens in the 16th century, and we have... Uh, going along with the Protestant Reformation, we have some groups who are taking it even further with baptism, and these Baptists, these Anabaptists believed, and everybody thought they were crazy, but these Anabaptists believed that only people who were Christians should be baptized. And some of these Anabaptists then had been baptized as babies, were then rebaptized, and they got the name Anna or rebaptized. And some of these people, um, like I said, were put to death for their view. In fact, uh, there was a joke that went around at that time that Anabaptists needed to have a third baptism. That third baptism was drowning. And many of them were drowned. Uh, A few of them were executed and actually hung in cages from some of the churches uh, in the area. So a, a brutal brutal period of history, 
Um, certainly very different than our culture, where our culture kind of lots of different viewpoints and we all get along back then. Not so much. <laughs> um, so, so baptism has a little bit of a rocky history in terms of people's understanding of what baptism is. So we are going to go over, uh, as I've said, we're going to spend the next uh, few minutes talking about um, our perspective, our church's perspective on baptism. We can get started um, with some of these sound bites, and I want to hear what you uh, folks have to say about that. The first one says, of course I'm a Christian. Have been ever since I was baptized as a baby. Give me some feedback on that one. Okay. Being baptized as a baby doesn't make you a Christian. Okay. Being baptized all Yeah. Okay. Okay. But there's a lot of people that think that, right? Right. Um, I, the Roman Catholic Church, in in particular, sees uh, sees the the baptism of infants as um, providing salvation for them. There are other means of grace. The Roman Catholic Church believes. Uh, are God's means of conferring grace on us, um, but that's one of them, uh, and a very, very important one for the Roman Catholic Church. And there are probably people in this room that were baptized as babies. Um, there are probably several people, June's raising her hand saying she was baptized as a baby, Vince was. Um, lots of people probably in our church have, have been baptized as babies, so that's a, that's a fairly common thing. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, let's look at the second one, though. I was baptized as a baby, and I don't think I need to be baptized again as an adult. What do you think about that one? Agree or disagree? Disagree. Disagree. Okay. Do we have any agrees? I agree with it before I was baptized a second time. Okay. <laughs> do you agree with it before he was baptized a second time? I mean, when you grow up believing one thing, you know, right. being told one thing. Right. And so I'm sure, you know, I wasn't baptized as a baby, but I'm sure if I, I had been, I would think, well, can't, can't that one just retroactively count? So we don't have to do this again. Okay. <clears throat> the third one, baptism is critical for salvation. If you're not baptized, you can't be sure you're saved. Disagree. Disagree? Okay. All right. Why do you disagree? Why do you disagree? Look at the thief on the cross. What did Jesus say to him? Okay. Good example. Good example. Were you going to say I'm something? I'm sure he wasn't baptized. No, no. I'm, I'm also sure he was not baptized. Yes. But it, it, it is important. I mean, that, that they do be sure of their salvation by being baptized. But there are, there are even churches that teach uh, the bat- yet, even if, when you're baptized as an adult, that is salvation. Right. Right. Which is not correct. Right. Yes, there are definitely churches that teach that. So, so June did bring up a good point, though, which is uh, that we don't want to downplay the importance of bapti- baptism by saying it's completely irrelevant, because it's most certainly not irrelevant. It was a commandment. Okay. It's a public demonstration. Right. Okay. Okay, very good. Well, we, we'll, we'll be able to finish this lesson quickly. <laughs> Gene's already rattling off all the points. <laughs> all right. Um, four, Christ commands us to be baptized 
it's a matter of obedience, not personal preference. I think we would all agree with that. Jean's just said it. And uh, fifthly, uh, it's a tragedy that so many Christians have never received Holy Spirit baptism. Dale's smiling, so I want to hear what Dale has to say about that. Well, I just have a rough in the councils in my family. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, we believe that you're not a believer unless you're Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, one faith, one baptism, right? We, right. We, we do believe that, you know, I believe I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, they, you know, the people who are really hanging on to experiential gifts see it as a another step, another gate you walk through. And, right. Now all of a sudden you're baptized. Right, right. I don't understand what you're saying. What do you mean baptized in the? If you speak in a Pentecostal church, usually it's speaking in tongues. Oh, okay. There's a there's a whole other another step, mm-hmm. like um, like even in like in Baptist church they talk about some places sometimes they're like carnal Christians and mm-hmm. spiritual Christians. So like there's this like I remember in in, uh, in summer camp. Yeah, you, 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 you go through this like um, throwing another stick on the fire, and now you you're you're uh, uh, you're supposed to be going to this other gateway or something, okay. which is kind of the same kind of wacky taffy kind of right. Okay. Right. So so we so we've got we've got Christian groups <coughs> that are looking in in one form or another for a second experience following conversion. Okay. Um, so. Dale brought up a, a different. Uh, we, we've got people who are looking to be baptized by the Spirit, following their conversion at some point after their conversion, um, and that's generally like our, our charismatic or, or Pentecostal friends are the, are the ones that are looking for that. They're looking for some kind of experience that usually results in in miraculous gifts, speaking in tongues, that sort of thing. And they look they look uh, for justification for that. In uh, the book of Acts, where uh, the gift of the Spirit is something that's promised, um, but we think they uh, mistake um, that that's the beginning of the church. Uh, the, you know what's going on at the very beginning of Acts is is at the birth of the church, and so it's slightly different. But uh, and we're going to look at First Corinthians chapter twelve in a little bit. I think that's one of our yeah First Corinthians chapter twelve. Um, Says we're set in verse thirteen. Says we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. And when we talk about spirit baptizing, a spirit baptism, we're talking about the act of the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ, uh, uniting us with Christ and placing us in the body of Christ. And so it's it's a little bit misleading to talk about a Christian who has never received Holy Spirit baptism because the baptism of the Spirit. Is something that happens to every single believer, and is not a, an experience uh, to be pursued following conversion. All right, let's look at uh, what's that? Oh, um, let's. Re- will somebody be willing to read the case study for us? Okay. Thank you. Doug has been a Christian for about 10 years. He and his wife are strong members of your church, faithfully serving in the nursery for many years. 
At lunch after church one day, you were discussing the two baptisms from the service that morning. Rather sheepishly, Doug raises a question. I was baptized twice as a child, once as an infant, and again when my family switched from a Catholic to a Baptist church. However, I wasn't a Christian either time. Since I've already been baptized twice, do you really think I should get baptized again? Okay. That's a very real situation. That happens a lot. What would uh, what would you say to that person? Well, like he said, it was, it's a profession of faith, you know, that you accept Christ as your Savior. It's a public statement mm-hmm. that you made that statement. It's required, well, I feel that it's required to make a statement mm-hmm. of your church members or family members sure. or whoever. So you'd be saying you do need to get baptized. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyone? Uh, anyone disagree with uh, Craig? Good. I agree with Craig. <laughs> what about a situation where somebody made a profession of faith because they weren't sure of their first one they met, and if they had to tell you, they wouldn't know which one was the real one to tell them to get rebaptized. They've made up. Okay, so like, let's say they were saved when they were like ten or twelve, uh-huh. and then when they're later, they make another profession because they weren't sure if they were, but they were baptized after the first one. Would uh, you say that they need to be rebaptized just to make sure? I I would probably encourage that direction. Yeah, I would really. say I would say yeah, just for the fact that they're of the realization of what they're doing and they actually acknowledge what they're doing and they know more of what it means and understand it. Because as a child, we think as a child, you know, and we don't always understand why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I mean, it, it, no, I was going to say something smart. Now. That's all we're going to What would you say, John? Yeah, I mean, it does depend. Jim, were you going to say something? Well, like you said, Christ does command that we do it. Yeah. And if, if he wasn't really sure that he was a But it, it's not like they know that they weren't saved. Like, they don't, if they had to say, they say, I know that I am, but yeah. I don't know which one of them was. Yeah. The mind is so murky. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was saved when I was five, watching the burning hell and at some Wednesday night, oh, it was, a, yeah, the parents never let me see that movie. It was horrible. Um, and, and then I remember when I was 12, going through that whole, like, well, wait a second, I was a kid, I was scared, do I even believe this stuff? And then I remember when I was 18 or 17 at a Christian camp, and every time Tom Farrell goes to preach, you want to get saved again, but I throw a stick on the fire, what do I do next? And, and, and I mean, the, you know, the mind is murky. We, right. we know we're, we're believers. Right. I could get baptized three or four times. Right. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, uh, you know, it does have to be, a, in some sense, an individual decision. You've got to get counsel on it. Um, you know, looking at my own experience, you know, I was, I think I was saved when I was four or five. So um, I don't remember that at all. Uh, I wasn't baptized till I was probably 10, and um, I had that the, the, a, some, a situation somewhat similar to that, um, where I wasn't sure, and I was asking God if I was saved, and you know when I was when I was in college, and I was considering 
I was considering getting baptized again, uh, but as, as time went on, I, I was able to have a little bit more perspective on my life, and I felt like even though I had gone through a period of rebellion, having a rebellious heart, um, I, there was conviction there uh, the whole time, and I was, I was sure that I had been a believer when I, I, my, I thought, I think my profession of faith was genuine when I was a child, as was my bat, intention to be baptized, and so, you know, I did not get get baptized again. But for some people, you know, it might not be that way. I think too, as you mature in your faith, it gets stronger. So it's, I, I, I'm different from when I was baptized. I mean, my faith is stronger. I know more now. I, you know, I had the conviction then. Conviction stronger now. You know, what, you know. That's I guess. Yeah. But as, of course, uh, June, we, you got cut off. You were saying something. <laughs> I was making a mental note. Mental note. Come back to June. Alright, well if you think of it, you flag me down, okay? <laughs> Alright, so we, we had some scripture passages that we were, that you were uh, asked some questions about. And it might be helpful if we just read through, for those of you who haven't done the lesson, it might be helpful if we just read through the three uh, paragraphs on 4.3 together, uh, because they give a little bit of explanation. And then we will, uh, we will jump into the questions and try to answer the questions based on the scripture passages. In the Old Testament, believing men were circumcised as a sign that they were followers of God and members of the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, baptism serves a similar purpose as a visible means of identification with Christ and his church. And we, I think that the, the text there does say similar, not an exact parallel. And we'll get into why it's not an exact parallel later. Uh, baptism serves a similar purpose. Associated with water baptism, as Jesus promised, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These two forms of baptism, water baptism and spirit baptism, are distinct yet closely related. Spirit baptism is the invisible act whereby at salvation the Holy Spirit indwells the believer and initiates the believer into the collective body of Jesus Christ, the church. Okay, so we just talked about that. We talked about <clears throat> that being spirit baptism. And which is why that statement where it said a Christian who is waiting for spirit baptism is, is impossible. All Christians have been baptized by the spirit and placed into the body of Christ. So, so we would disagree with our, with our friends who, who are looking for that subsequent experience of the baptism of the spirit. Um, <clears throat> in this event, our old life passes and we become a new creation. In spirit baptism, we become identified with Christ's death. We die to our old life and resurrection, raised again to a whole new life. And remember, we talked about this from Romans 5 and 6 last week. We said, you, have, you, have, you are, are united with Christ, you identify with him in death, and you also identify with him in resurrection. And so, in, the Romans, in Romans 5 and 6, and particularly in Romans chapter 6, it talks about why you have died to sin, you're no longer under the hold and the rule of sin. And the reason for that is because the Spirit has united you with Christ at conversion, in Spirit baptism. Every Christian is baptized by the Spirit at the time he or she becomes a Christian. Water baptism is the visible outward symbol 
And symbol is a word that that's very that's an important word. It's a symbol that pictures what happens at salvation at the time we are baptized by the Spirit. Water baptism serves as a clear symbol of our identification with Christ, especially when one chooses immersion of the whole body in water rather than sprinkling. Immersion symbolizes our entering into the death of Christ, identification with Christ's death. When we are under the water, we symbolize our cleansing and forgiveness from sin, the death and burial of the old man. Rising out of the water symbolizes our rising to walk in the newness of life, just as Christ rose from the dead. Water baptism is a highly significant symbolic act and an important step of obedience for every Christian. That, those three paragraphs basically summarize the conclusions uh, that our script, the scripture passages should lead us to and that our church, church holds. So first question. According to Romans 6, what is the significance of baptism according to Romans 6? Okay, we've died to sin, so that's a, that's a part of it. It's a part of the significance. What else? We've united ourselves with Christ. Okay, we've united ourselves with Christ. So if we've united ourselves with Christ, then we are united with him in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. So what are the implications of baptism in this passage? What would you see as the implications of baptism from, from Romans 6? Bill, can you raise your hand? Uh, we're in the creation, all things are made now. Okay, okay, good. Anyone else have any thoughts? So we're, we're, we're talking, I, I wrote down two things. One thing, on one level, we are picturing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And on another level, we are picturing uh, our own death to sin and, and being raised with Christ. So there's, there's actually like a dual symbolism going on there in baptism, which is what makes it such a, a rich and significant picture and what makes it so important uh, for us to, to fulfill according to Christ's command. All right, what is the significance of baptism in 1 Corinthians 12? <laughs> Are you afraid of giving wrong answers? Or <laughs> Could it be like we are all one, one body? That's like the main thing that we are all Okay, okay, we're within Christ, and so it says that we are, the work, it's the work of the Spirit that places us in the body of Christ, so not, not only we are united with Christ and his death, death and resurrection, but what's the church? What's, another, what's a, another designation for the church? It's the body of Christ, it's the bride of Christ, it's his body. And so uh, baptism, spirit baptism, is what, is what places us in the body of Christ, and the symbol of water baptism, which pictures spirit baptism, is what initiates us into a local assembly. Because we can talk about the church, capital C, which is all believers everywhere, all day, 
But at some point, we have to get down to what the New Testament talks about for Christians, which is our, which is our membership and a local manifestation of the church. All right? How soon after salvation were people baptized in Acts 2 and 8? Okay, same day. What precedes water baptism in Acts 2 and 8? What precedes it in Acts 2? Repentance. Okay, repentance precedes baptism in Acts chapter 2. And what about, what about Acts chapter 8? It's more of an implication than spelled right out in the text. But what precedes... What precedes um, this, uh, uh, where's this guy from? Philippi? This man that's reading a passage of scripture and asking for, for an explanation. What precedes his baptism? Okay. Seems like faith does, doesn't it? Because here's a man that's, that's reading the scriptures and he's wanting to have, have it explained who the prophet is talking about. He's reading, he's reading Isaiah which is, which is talking about Jesus, and he's asking Philip these questions about it, and the, the scripture doesn't say it, but they, you know, he's getting these things explained to him, and they continue down the road, and he sees water and basically says, what, what prevents me from being baptized? And so it would seem, even though the text doesn't talk uh, about everything that went on in their conversation, it's, it's very obvious um, that, that as Philip is talking to him, he talks about baptism. As, as something that is a demonstration of a person's new life in Christ, a person accepting Christ being converted. Okay. How were people back, baptized in Acts chapter 2 and Acts 8? They were baptized in water lakes. Okay. Doesn't, it doesn't seem to tell us uh, in Acts chapter 2... <clears throat> exactly how they are baptized, does it? It just says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So it doesn't tell us exactly how. But, and it doesn't tell us exactly um, how uh, this eunuch was baptized either, but it certainly seems like there was a fair amount of water there for him to notice it and say, hey, what, what prevents us from doing it here? I mean, certainly he had, um, certainly he had water with him uh, while he's traveling down the road, that he could have, you know, been baptized by sprinkling or by pouring. So it's not an absolute case, but it seems like uh, in this instance, this man was was immersed. It looks like they went down into the water. Yeah, it says they went down into the water. Right, right. So obviously, if 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 this man is traveling a good distance, he has water with him. He could just get sprinkled right there, but he sees a body of water, and they go down into it, and he's baptized. And the implication that, that we take out of that is that it was most likely immersion. And we'll talk about what else leads us to that conclusion a little bit later. So, um, how many people had a chance to read uh, the, the article, uh, Baptism? Did anybody have a chance to, to look over that article? Okay. Then, uh, what's that? What's that? Did you pass it out last week? No, it's, it's, in the, it's in the lesson. Oh, okay. Okay, so 
let's uh, let's talk, let's walk through this a little bit, um, just to clarify <clears throat> a few things. Let's let's start um, since we've been talking since we've been talking a little bit about a scriptural understanding of baptism. Let's let's start with the meaning of baptism then, based on what we've talked about so far. Why don't you uh, give me your definition? If somebody walked up to you on the street and said, "How would you define baptism?" What would you say to them? The meaning of baptism. Give me give me your definition. It doesn't have to be perfect. Bill. I'm sure my Greek word baptism is washing. Okay. So. What would you add to that to express a little bit more of... I didn't mean what he said it comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means washing. Okay, but we're talking to a non-believer? Well, so we're talking to an unbeliever about the meaning of baptism. Oh, sorry, I thought we were just talking about apology. What's that? I, sorry, I thought we were just talking about no, the word. No, no. We'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, because they don't understand it, mm-hmm. I would, and they say, why do you do it? Mm-hmm. I say... Be just because I would be professing my faith, okay, and that commands me to profess my faith among my brothers and sisters. Okay, good, good. What's another one? It's a proclamation, basically what you just said, but that I'm a new creation in mm-hmm. Christ, and yeah. I'm making that announcement. Yeah. Okay. So there's a there's a, a proclamatory aspect of it, which is which is excellent. It's, not, it's because if you're if, if you have been baptized by the Spirit, can you see that? Yeah. I mean, you can't see it actually happen to a person, but it pictures what it, the spiritual reality that has happened in your heart. Yeah. And oh, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. But yeah. It goes back to what you said. Some people may know you as you grow up and you go through a rough time in your life. Sure. And you're sitting there and you say, "No, I'm changed." Mm-hmm. Except you just well, okay. I know it in my heart. Right. You know, I know. And so, now I want to show to everyone so that you're going to look at me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you're going to keep your eyes on me. Right. You're going to say, do I see a change in that person? Yep. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think you know, right. you can feel it in your heart, but until you state it and put it out there, you can sit there and say, I quit drinking, but until six months goes by and they see you sober for six months... Right. Until they believe it. Yeah. Proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And that's true. Sometimes when we, we when we want to make a, just make a change in our lives, we don't want to tell anyone because if we tell yeah, them, then we slip up, up and then it's like, I wish I hadn't told them. Right. Um, but, but with baptism, you know, this is, this is a proclamatory act where you're telling everyone, and you're not telling everyone that you're going to be perfect. <laughs> Or that everybody's going to be right, but nobody—if—if if, if someone were to get saved right there, in, right here in this room in front of us, we could. There's nothing to actually see the spirits work in their heart, but we picture what happens with baptism. So there's this wonderful uh, proclamation that goes forth in baptism, just like just like goes forth in the other uh, the other ordinance of the church, which is the Lord's Supper. Proclaiming, it says that we proclaim the Lord's death until He returns. So there's a there's a, a, a proclamation there whenever we celebrate the Lord's table. And I think I, I want to add this too because yeah. just going off of what you said again, when you turn your life over to Christ, too, for me, anyways, um, you know, I knew who He was as a small child, but I walked in disobedience for mm-hmm. many years. So it was that eagerness mm-hmm. to obey 
Jesus. Yeah. It's a commandment. And that, for me, it was like I couldn't wait to do that because I was eager to obey him. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone else want to add anything to your definition of the meaning of baptism? All right, just for the fun of it, I'll, I'll give you the one that I wrote down. And this isn't the perfect definition, so I'm not measuring it. We're not measuring definitions, but I defined it as an initiatory act that symbolizes the spiritual realities of union with Christ, like we talked about, symbolizes the spiritual realities of union with Christ and signifies entrance into the local church. And to be a member of our church, for instance, you have to, be, you have, to have a profession of faith and you have to have been baptized. So that's the definition now. Anyone else want to throw throw a definition out? Okay, now obviously we have, um, we have, there are other people who believe different things about the meaning of baptism. There are, there are groups out there that believe that baptism actually saves a person. Um, and that God actually um, gives grace to a person in the act of baptism. What they're actually what they're actually doing is is confusing the symbol with the spiritual reality, and they're putting them together. And they're saying a person, whether they've had any act of faith in their heart or not, that has gone, been sprinkled, poured, or immersed, God gives grace to that person, whether that person has any thought of it or not. And of course, we would disagree with that. Probably closer to us, though, are are groups like our Presbyterian friends who would take what we would call a sacramental view of baptism. Now, the Presbyterians differ from, for instance, Catholics, in that Catholics have you know, the seven sacraments. And what the Catholics mean by those seven sacraments is uh, by, having, by performing those things or having those rites performed for you, uh, God actually gives you grace through those things. And so... Part of the Reformation that I talked about in the 16th century, part of the Reformation was people coming to the scripture and saying, no, that is not correct. Salvation, God gives grace by faith alone. And that was the battle cry of the Reformation, faith alone. (laughs) Well, some of our Presbyterian friends aren't exactly in the same, uh, same train with the Catholics, but they still think, of the, they still think of baptism as a sacrament in that it is a means of, of God giving grace to you. Now, Presbyterians would not say, Presbyterians would only say that uh, God, gives, God gives you grace through water baptism if you've already had an act of faith in your heart. That's what Presbyterians would say. And isn't that a word? And, and, and which is exactly what we would say. And they would say, no, that's obedience. But obviously, we disagree with that. We believe that the scriptures teach that, a per, that, that baptism is, is purely symbolic. In other words, there is not, God is not doing anything special for you in the act of baptism beyond what he has already done in your heart. So there is some, there is some difference of opinion on, on the meaning of baptism. Um, and if you want to talk, if you want to read a little bit more about the discussion, because we're, we'll be running out of time, but the discussion here on the meaning of baptism in, in the article is, is very succinct and, and, and good. Um, I'm trying to work backwards because I think, 
I think his article, I, I would have preferred it if he reversed the order. Go ahead, Vince. Um, I just want to make a quick for you guys to pray for my uh, pray for my Rachel she's getting baptized um, oh that's right in two weeks November 8th and uh, she, we're inviting my my family is uh, all Catholic and uh, mm. this is just uh, good timing I guess yeah and uh, pray for my family yeah we like definitely so I can understand how Definitely. And one of the things that I like about um, the way, if you've been to a baptism here at our church, is uh, usually Larry runs through a quick explanation of baptism so that, because obviously lots of uh, people who may not may not be Christians or may not understand why we do what we do, it gives a quick explanation of, of, of what's going on and why we do it this way. So yes, and that's very exciting for Rachel. Um, on page 4.5... <clears throat> 4.5, the author of this article talks about the recipients of baptism. And who have we already established as the recipients of baptism? Who was who able to be baptized? Believers, okay? It's, it's simple, right? It's simple, but there's lots of people in churches out there that would disagree with you. And they're, because they're having their, their, their babies baptized. Right. And part of the reason, for instance, some of our Presbyterian friends have their babies baptized is because of the way they view the covenants in Scripture. And they say, just as uh, just you know, we have the nation of Israel, and uh, the rite of circumcision was, was performed on, on the babies in Israel. So they say that baptism replaces circumcision in the new covenant. And we would disagree with that, but they see their children as they call them children of the covenant. And so if you're, if you're a, a parent and you have a baby, you bring your baby and you have them baptized um, in, in hopes, that's the only way I can think of put it, but it, it doesn't, and I, I don't fully understand why they do this. It's, to me, if a present parent is sitting here, they're not at me for saying this. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Just, just so you know, my pastor at Presbyterian Church, he told me that uh, it was it's usually just like a, a, a lot of the modern American branch of Presbyterian, not so much the Scottish people. It's more like a community thing. like, like It's like a baby dedication. Yeah, it's like a dedication right. service. In right. fact, my sister, who's Presbyterian, said, well, you Baptists have baby dedications because you know you should do it anyway. So in your <laughs> mind, it's our cop-out, we have baby dedication, no. which I thought was so mom could show off her dress. You, you, she thought it was what? Mom could show off her new dress. But, oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. show off the baby. But, but in her mind, in her mind I, didn't, I, didn't get it, I didn't get it at first. She is like our cop-out version of infant baptism. Okay. Do we do baby dedications here? Parent dedication. Parent dedication. That's right, parent dedication. Actually, that's what the dedication is more than you're dedicating your child to the Lord. Yeah. You're going to be responsible and you're going exactly. to help in the ways of the Lord. Exactly. And you're asking help of the family members and everybody that knows and has exactly. right. entitlement to this baby to right. help you bring them up in the way of the Lord. Right. And that's what covenant theology is. They're right. saying, like, we're the modern Israel. We're bringing them into the church. But it's just, you know, yeah. Yeah. We, before we came here, uh, we attended a Presbyterian church for a while. And when they baptized their babies, that pastor said right now, he said, this is not a form of salvation. Right. He said, this is a dedication of this baby. Mm-hmm. They actually said that. Right. Because they, 
But what they will do then, still though, is they will have that baby, at least the, the Presbyterians I'm familiar with, they, the baby and the child can be a member of the church, though not a Christian. And so that's where, that's where I would disagree with that. They would see that because they're in the family, they're in the covenant, and they can be members of the church. And baptism is kind of the initiatory thing that allows them, as a child of the covenant, to be a member of the church, even though they're not actually Christians. But I think that ties more into the amillennial theology than all of the Baptist, all the baptism stuff together, too. Right, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah, but it still leads you to the whole halfway covenant, and uh, Brian is, I mean, if I'm, I'm in the church, and I, I, I did the dance. Right. I, yeah, so, Baptist <laughs> sinners in the hands of an angry God, and, and right. you know, how dare you think you're, just because you got wet, you're in. Yeah. Now you guys keep you guys are killing me because you keep bringing up terms and I'm like okay what do I need what do we need to go back and you're talking about the halfway covenant and all millennialism <laughs> so let's let's uh let's close let's close the can of worms because we could keep following trail following trail I thought you said you wanted class discussion <laughs> I do like okay. discussions. <laughs> I just know we have ten minutes left. And I was like, do I take the last eight minutes? Do we talk about the halfway covenant? <laughs> okay, so we believe, and there's several there's several uh, scriptures given here on page four point five and four point six that make it, I think, abundantly clear that believers, which is the simple answer that you guys all gave at just a few minutes ago, believers are the proper subjects of baptism. So, it says in Acts 2.41, those had received his words were baptized. In 8.12, when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, they were baptized, men and women alike. Um, you've got, you know, in italics, one, two, three, four, five, six more verses. The pattern all throughout Acts is, is that there, the word is preached, repentance and faith are expressed in Christ, and then the, the, the individuals... Uh, receive water baptism. Okay. Uh, see that? Okay. Now, we've said before that believers, there are people in our society today that are believers that are not Christian. I mean, they're not candidates for baptism, I would think. I mean, they believe that there's God. Right, right. That, you know. Okay, so so I'm using kind of a Christianese word there when I say believers. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll dump the Christianese word and say, you know, people who have you know, express faith in the finished work of Christ. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're, just because one knows certain information about Christ doesn't make one a believer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, when are we supposed to be baptized? Obviously, that goes right in, right hand in hand with, with the who. Um, we are supposed to be baptized um, post-conversion, after we've made a profession of faith. And then lastly, the how of baptism... Um, is is fairly you know fairly simple. Uh, we don't need to get into into all of the arguments for this, but the the basic word um, which Bill so helpfully brought up, the Greek word for baptize, generally generally means to immerse. It is not exclusively used for immersing someone. In every instance, in every instance, it is not exclusively used for for putting an object completely underwater. So, we're not trying to be uh, underhanded uh, about the way that we talk about the word. But in general, the word does mean to immerse. And 
as far as the under the, the church practice throughout the centuries, there were there were a variety of different practices. But people who would not be considered Baptists, people like John Calvin and others like him, uh, agree that the word means immerse, and that the the practice at the beginning was uh, was for immersion. And then when we look at examples throughout Scripture, we don't have a lot of examples of the the actual mode of baptism. But as June pointed out, and as you've seen, for instance, the the eunuch that Philip is talking to, it appears that he went down into the water and was immersed. It appears the same thing with Jesus when Jesus receives John's baptism. John's baptizing in the Jordan. Um, So it would seem that he's actually in the Jordan immersing people. Um, It seems like the, uh, you know, history shows us that the early practices of of Jews and some of the rites that they did were also for immersion. And so that's why uh, our church and Baptist churches in general think that immersion is, is the, uh, the New Testament way that a person is to be baptized. Um, so let's go on, because I want to hear a couple of things from you on, on these. One, in the former response page on 4.9... It says, if you've been baptized as a believer, reflect on that experience. Why did you do it? What was particularly special to you about it? Give me a, give me a little bit of your thoughts on that, of when you were baptized. Anyone, anyone want to share that with us? <laughs> yeah, I was baptized. Uh, I actually wasn't baptized until... Uh, I was probably baptized as a child, and I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Seven years? Seven years ago. Okay. Uh, I had the opportunity, uh, my three boys and my wife at the time, and uh, going back to what he said, as a child, actually our pastor counseled with the boys before they were baptized. Okay. To actually, uh, to know what they understood about it, uh, because one was seven right. at the time, and was the youngest one, uh, their profession of faith. Went through a whole thing before the baptism. Okay. Uh, so which is good. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was great. Because some kids just see the other kids doing it, and they right. And uh, and I actually got to be a part of the baptism with my children. Oh, that's neat. So that was. So what led to it was your 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 kids were getting baptized, and you're listening in and thinking, I, I need to get baptized. Myself. No, actually, what it was what was happened? I was more uh, my walk had fallen to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And I was actually stating what I said earlier to you mm-hmm. was about me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show my rededication. That I wanted people to know that I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I was joining the church. Okay. And I had to make the public statement. Yeah. And it just so happened my children growing up at the time, and mm-hmm. it was their time. Yeah. yeah you know, and, but yeah, like I said, the pastor counseled with them, and actually wanted to know why, what, where, when, and right. how. He didn't just let it go, oh, you want to do this, and it's a fun thing to do, and right. it's warm water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Good. Know. Good. Anyone else have an uh, experience you want to share with us? What, what led you to do what you were thinking? You know, what convinced you that you needed to be baptized? Too? I did it. 
a lot to show my family, like okay. what a real church was like, because we had never really been to one. Mm-hmm. And also, I did it as a way to help to lead my husband and my son okay. in the way of Christ. Okay. And I remember your baptism. <laughs> that was exciting. Anyone else? Even though I was baptized as a child, well, not as, well, as a child, yeah. but I, like I told you before, I was raised in the Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. so I went through confirmation and all that. And I can remember the day, even to this day, uh, when I went up to the altar in the Lutheran Church for my confirmation, I thought when the pastor laid his hand on my head, something miraculous was going to happen to me, because I was reading my Bible and I knew about conversion mm-hmm. through the Bible, but not from preaching in, the, in that church. So it was later, when I was older, that I actually had the salvation experience, and I felt that I needed to be immersed mm-hmm. in baptism, mm-hmm. as like you say, because that was Christ's example. Yeah. And that's why I did it, I, that's probably why he did it. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. All right, well... We're out one minute early. <laughs> so, do you want to share because, your experience with us? Um, I just, re- I just, re- I can only remember bits and pieces of it. I was probably about ten, um, and I think my my parents didn't want to because I met made a profession of faith at such a young age. I think they wanted to see if I meant it, and um, so they did not. You know, my parents didn't push me to become a Christian. Um, I, I, I went to them about it um, when I was young. Um, but they didn't push me with baptism either. They wanted me to mean and understand the significance of baptism. And so um, we were having a, a baptism at, at our church, and my dad was the pastor. And so he was just, uh, you know, he was, it's funny actually, my dad was, it was the first year or two that my dad was a pastor, and he had never um, baptized anyone before. So he actually filled up the baptismal tank and, and baptized my mom to practice. <laughs> and, um, which we thought was hilarious. But I, I asked him, you know, this isn't something that I've done, you know. And he said, well, what do you think it, what do you think it means? And we talked about it, and I said that that was something that I wanted to do, and so... He ended up baptizing me on on that Sunday. So, that's my experience. Well, we'll be talking about, I think, walking walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit or something like... I I copied my notes, so I don't didn't say that to but I think it's walking in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit next week. So, if you have time to do your lesson, uh, that'd be great. But thanks again for coming. And we'll close in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for uh, allowing us to be together this evening. Um, thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you for giving us these uh, these outward symbols that really proclaim the gospel. Um, that we can show uh, in an outward act uh, the spiritual realities that have taken place in our heart. Um, I pray that you help each one of us who are here to uh, follow Jesus this week. I pray that you would give us desires that are spiritual desires that we would we would seek after you with our whole hearts. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.